Ephesians chapter 6 is where we'll be again today. Kind of going verse by verse, section by section through the armor of God and the importance of it. Beginning in verse 10. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Again, today we're going to be looking at uh, predominantly verse 15. We've, this is the third piece of armor that we are looking at, part of the armor of God. And verse 15 says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, shoes are pretty important. I won't ask you how many shoes that you have in your closet, how many you have with you today. But I want you to know that men's shoes actually are gaining uh, more and more popular. More, it seems like the studies have shown that men are collecting more and more shoes. In fact, the sales has just been in the millions for men's shoes. And they're getting close to women's shoes, which are numbering in the billions. So... <laughs> Nonetheless, I think all of us would agree shoes are very important, okay? In fact, it's hard to, depending on the job, that shoes are, are fitted for whatever you need there. But I want to kind of give a little personal story about the importance of shoes. I call this preaching with two left feet. A few years ago, I was invited to preach uh, doing a little mini-conference in Missouri. Uh, yes, they need the Lord there too, right, Dave? So <laughs> But yes, I was reaching a series of meeting a good friend of mine who was the pastor of a church in Festus, Missouri, uh, east, uh, east side of Missouri there. So uh, I packed my bags on a Saturday morning and headed out. Now, I got up super early before Mandy and the kids were up, and so I packed my bags and everything. And so anyways, I get there, get to the hotel that they put me up, uh, was just a few miles from the church. And Sunday morning, I'm getting myself ready and putting on my suit and everything that goes with it. And... Uh, Anyways, I then put on my shoes, and then I realized, uh-oh, I didn't do this right. And so what had happened, I realized this, that I had packed two left pairs of dress shoes, two left feet. Now, g granted, it was early in the morning when I was packing my I'm I'm not really a last-minute packer, but usually shoes, okay, they're right there. I'd only, I only have like five pairs of shoes. I mean, it's easy. But I had, for whatever reason, grabbed two left pairs of, left, left side of the shoes. And so, anyway, so I get to the church, and I'm doing a Sunday school, Sunday morning, I'm doing this uh, Sunday evening, and then Monday we have another full day of conference that I'm doing there. We did a Christ in the Passover presentation, we were doing all kinds of things going on there. And so I'm getting there in the Sunday school, and pretty much this is what I was doing the whole time, standing right behind the pulpit with the biggest smile on my face. Now, this is, I want to give a little extra layer to the um, importance of this meeting. One of our, our, uh, our in, from our church in Israel, we had a, um, one of our secretaries, she, her name is uh, Susan. She is a Filipino lady, and she actually had just flown to the United States to marry uh, a guy that uh, she met. 
and uh, good guy. They're, they're still married, by the way, and doing, doing great. We actually saw, they came, I think I told you the story one Sunday night, we came and saw them uh, at the truck stop there in Rogers. Uh, they were passing by. Anyway, so Susan came, and she was just, I mean, a couple days, maybe four days into the United States. I'm excited to see her. I haven't seen her for a couple years since our time in Israel. It was going to be a great time, but I'm sitting there like this. Nice to see you, Susan. I could hardly walk. I don't know if you have ever tried to wear two-size shoes. I know some of you kids are going to go home and try this out later, right? Okay. Anyways, Sunday, so the Sunday morning service, I'm preaching and all that, and uh, I could not tell you one single word or verse or anything that I preached that day. have no idea, because what was on my mind? Shoes and that no one would see what was going on, okay? And so I stood behind that pulpit the whole time. So this morning, I checked to make sure, yes, I got two, they're, they're right and left sides. I'm doing great today, my wife isn't even here. Mandy, if you're watching, I'm good, okay? We have witnesses to prove it. So anyways, but talk about a distraction. That distracted me that whole morning. So after that, the hotel I was at, right across the street was a Payless shoe store, okay? And so I went and found the cheapest pair of shoes. And by the way, I made sure in the box that there was both a right and left. I didn't want to be caught (laughs) that way either, okay? So I made sure everything was in order. And so Sunday evening... I, I had the cheapest pair of shoes that could work, but hey, I was happy, okay? And I survived that conference, and no one knew about that. Not even our good friend Susan from, from Israel knew about it. So nonetheless, I guess you could say, yes, Ian, yes, dear, I should have been better prepared, okay? So how important it is, though, to wear the right kind of shoes in life? Because what does that do? Wearing two left shoes, and we kind of, you know, having two left feet has the idea of someone's clumsy, being awkward, or at least you're off balance. And that's really what my whole morning was like that day. I was off balance. It affected me just physically, but also affected me mentally. Like, okay, I, I can't concentrate. I hope they got a blessing out of it, okay? But <laughs> I, I, I had to put all my effort in to do that. It was just a hard time to do that. So it affects you mentally. So again, how important it is for us to wear the right size shoes? And I tell you, probably these ladies appreciate it more so, but if you go to, let's say, you go shopping or meeting with friends, and you didn't get the exact pair of shoes that you needed for that, that meeting, you're thinking about that the whole time, aren't you? I said, man, I should have worn that other pair of shoes. My wife says that all the time, just different things. You're, you've got to be prepared for that. So here's the point. As we think about the importance of shoes, and we think about this verse in verse 15, your feet shod or literally bound with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so the challenges today is this. Put on your gospel shoes, soldier. Put on your gospel shoes, the gospel of peace. This is so important. So we're going to kind of break this verse down section by section. And let's first of all talk about having your feet shod. What does that mean? Now, usually don't go around and say, kids, have you shod your feet today before you go to school? We don't usually speak in those terms, but think of it in this way. Have you bound or have you put your shoes on? Have you tied your shoes? Do you even have shoes? Okay. Uh, how many of you parents, you probably, have, or maybe with grandkids, you're probably going, okay, you're looking for shoes and halfway to school, what? Someone's missing one, or I didn't even bring my shoes today. You have to go back. I've heard this many, many times. This happens in our family, too. It's a part of life. But let's talk more specifically about what was going on in Paul's day as he's writing here to the Ephesian believers. 
And he's writing there again in the context here of a, a Roman soldier and the equipment that they would have worn, the armor that they wore. We've talked, uh, again, having the whole armor of God, putting on the whole armor of God and having it on, uh, put it on daily. And then even more importantly in verse 13, uh, to put it on even uh, all the time. Don't take it off. And we talked about so far having your loins girt about with truth, the belt of truth. Last week we talked about having the breastplate of righteousness. And then today we're talking about having our feet shot, putting on the gospel shoes. So put on the gospel shoes, soldier. This is the idea today. So the, the, uh, the Roman word that was used for shoes was kalage. Kalage was, or, or boot, or it was kind of a sandal, if you will, that basically was strapped. And it was a very important part of the soldier's uniform. Uh, it was hobnailed on the bottom. So it would think of like in the, today we would, uh, if you think of a, an athlete, for example, whether it be baseball or football or soccer, they would usually wear some type of cleats, some, some way to, or even golf. You have soft spikes, for example, and trying to get the grip that you need, you know, to do the, the best you can uh, for the type of uh, activity that you're doing. And see, even for the Roman soldier, that was important. So the kalage were vital for the soldier's uniform. Now, kalage, you probably have heard that a variation of that. If you remember, there was the third emperor of Rome. His name was Gaius Germanicus. You would know him better as Caligula. Have you ever heard of Caligula? He was probably one of the most wicked uh, if you believe all the stories about him, he was probably the most unstable of all the Roman emperors, a very wicked man. But Caligula was his, actually not his real name, that was his nickname, because as a child he actually grew up around his father, who was a very well-respected and noted Roman general. And uh, so as uh, Caligula would go around, or Gaius, little Gaius, he would go around the Roman camp and he would be on different parts of the battlefield, like in Gaul, for example. And what would happen is this, that the soldiers would see him dress up, and so they would call him Caligula, which literally means little boots. Little boots, booty. It was a, it was a little nickname that they would give him. And he probably would have, uh, it was probably more so given later, I'm talking about Roman history now, and I love it. Okay, so bear with me for just a moment. Okay, I've got to get this out of my system. All right, so Caligula, he had a lot of enemies. He started off great, and then he became really sick, and then after that, he really became paranoid, mentally unstable. He, uh, he had a lot of people, in fact, his own family members put to death. Um, gladiatorial games, I mean, just things that were just vile that he did. Uh, he was noted for, uh, like, in different um, uh, arena events, like gladiators, for example, or people being thrown to wild beasts, that he would randomly select people out of the crowd and have his servants throw them into the arena just for the sake of it, just to see what would happen. That's the type of person he was. Very demented person. But anyways, a lot of people afterwards, uh, actually one famous story about Caligula was that he uh, named, he, he was always, one of his tendencies was always to make fun of his councils, the Roman council in the Senate. And so he actually said, you know what, my horse could do a better job than you. So whether it's true or not, somewhat believable that he actually uh, appointed his horse as a proconsul in Rome. Okay, in the Roman government, okay, because he thought the horse could do a better job than them. I don't know about you, maybe we could use a horse or two in our government, I don't know. But, <laughs> but nonetheless, that was Caligula. And so the idea of calling him Caligula, little boots, was really to kind of make fun of him in a way. And he would say, no, my name is Gaius Germanicus, and you know, the rest of the Roman title. Okay, so anyways, very important as we, we see this. So Caligula, 
means little boots. And calige is the boots that a Roman soldier would have worn. It would have been wound very tight, very important. And it was done, made with a very thick leather, okay, as it was done. And, of course, had hobnailed spikes at the bottom. Now, the calige, the, these soldier shoes were essential for many things. Uh, Roman soldiers were noted for uh, doing long marches. They could march uh, very quickly. They're even very difficult to reign faster than most armies could at that time. Also, the, the Roman soldiers' shoes were, of course, important for the battle defense. Having those spiked uh, shoes gave them a great advantage on the, on the battlefield. Uh, as enemies would attack, they could stand their ground and not even think twice about it. And also, because of that, it gave them great mobility. Uh, and also, they could advance in that. So, again, here's the important thing. The Roman soldier, their shoes, really gave them what we would say a firm foundation for the task that was presented before them, for the battle at hand. And so, without them, without the colleague, without the, the, Romans, uh, the shoes of the soldier... A soldier would be off balance. It would be vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. Okay, so very important. So here's the, kind of the big point I want you to see. For a Roman soldier, the shoes gave you great confidence for the battle. The shoes gave you great confidence. Going back to my preaching in Missouri, having two left feet, I was not at all confident that day. <laughs> and that affected me. And same, same thing is for the Roman soldier. They needed the proper footwear to do the job that they were assigned for the battle that they were facing. So very important. This is what Paul notices. So that's having your feet shod. And now let's look at the next word here. Verse 15, with the preparation. Okay? So with the word preparation, believe it or not, this, there's a, actually a very wide debate on exactly what that word preparation means. The Greek word has actually a couple meanings, and depending where you lie. So the, the first general meaning we could say is that the preparation means preparedness or habitual readiness. It's kind of like a disciplined readiness. Having shoes on means you were ready and that you were prepared for the battle or whatever assignment you were given. Okay, so that was meaning number one. But another meaning is not just to be prepared and we think about action, but it also can mean like an establishment or having a firm foundation. Um, and this is what some people say, or translators could say, that this referred to the equipment itself, having the shoe itself. This could very well be having your feet shod with a preparation or with the shoes of the gospel of peace is the idea. So there's a couple possible meanings actually in this. I think both can be accepted really within this context though. But having a firm foundation. I like what one commentator said this. He said this, that for a believer to have the proper footwear for our spiritual battle is so important because here, the believer is instructed here to put on something which offers a firm foundation and affords a readiness to spring into into action. So this is the point of it. Having proper footwear for the Christian is essential that you have it, number one, and that you are ready to, for whatever, comes your way to spring into action. So this is the important thing that we see here. So having your feet shod with the preparation or preparedness or that firm foundation with those shoes. So here's the challenge. Put on your gospel shoes, soldier. Put them on. Put them on and they give you confidence. So here's a question though. Why do you need the shoes here of the gospel peace? Why do you need these soldier shoes? Look back, and we've looked at this verse before a few weeks ago, but look with me back in Ephesians 4. 
Ephesians chapter 4, just a few pages back. And look with me in verse uh, 14. It says here, That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speak the truth, speaking the truth in love, may grow up in him in all things which is the head, even Christ. So talking about the building of the body of Christ is essential here, but we are, we are challenged here that, be, as, uh, that we are no longer children, that we should not be ten, uh, tossed to and fro by anything that comes up. There's a lot of distractions in the Christian life. Of what is true? What is false? What is this teaching, that teaching? And there's a lot of Christians who are confused about what God says about certain things. In fact, the matter is that usually reflects that they're either new to the Bible or they just aren't in the Bible. And having God's truth is so important as a part of our daily life. And this is why we need our feet shod with the gospel of peace. So remember this, that in the book of Ephesians, in these six chapters, the first three chapters, talks about our spiritual wealth of who we are in Christ, having that great inheritance, the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus this is who we are, that great inheritance. In chapters 4 through 6, this is the practical aspect. This is talking about our spiritual walk of how you should walk and how you should live as a Christian, as a child of God. Now, here's the important thing. In chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, this is really dealing about your personal walk with God. Your personal walk with God. In chapter 5, this goes on a little bit more, to, uh, and, and we see at the end of chapter 5, this is talking about dealing with marriage. Okay, and then in the beginning of chapter 6, we talk about dealing with children. And then a little bit later on, your dealings with in the workplace, how you correlate. This is practical life. This is where rubber meets the road, okay? This is important as we see this. Because the enemy, what, and so now we're talking about spiritual warfare after all that. So again, where does the enemy seek to attack us? He wants to attack you in your personal walk, your personal life. He wants to attack you in your marriage. He wants to attack you in your family. He wants to divide, disrupt, cause havoc, whatever he can do. And even in our employment, even the workplace. I think it's a blessing when you have a work, work situation and you get along great with me, with your employers or with your team. Things are going great. But you know, if someone comes in with a grumpy attitude, they make fun of it or they just don't, they make things hard or maybe you make things hard for them. In the workplace, what? The environment, it just goes south, doesn't it? You dread going into work that day. Or maybe there's something in your family you dread walking in the door of your house. You dread maybe interacting with your children. Or even your personal walk. Not being careful. Not be, walking circumspectly. You're walking as foolish. Not as wise. And Satan wants to trip you up so much. Why do we need to put on the armor of God? That we may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Satan's attacks are fierce and ferocious. Remember we talked though uh, earlier that in Ephesians chapter 6, let's look through that one more time here in verse 12. This, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The battle that we have spiritually is not so much against people. You know, you might be thinking of that cranky co-worker of yours, all right? Don't name names, all right? But anyways, you might be thinking of that person or that someone that's individual. That's not your enemy, folks. If anything, that's your mission field. When you think about that, our real battle is not with flesh and blood. Now, Satan may use people and individuals to accomplish whatever he wants, but the real battle is against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We have an unseen enemy, our real as day. 
Therefore, we must put on the armor of God. That starts with being a Christian, by knowing him. So here's the thing. By putting on the gospel armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and now having your, shoulder, your soldier shoes, that gospel of peace, shoes give you confidence in the battle that's raging in your personal walk. It gives you confidence in how you interact with your spouse. It gives you confidence in how you interact with your children and grandchildren. And it affects how you deal with your fellow employees or employers. Okay? So very important that shoes give us confidence. Therefore, put on the gospel shoes, soldier. Put them on. So we talked about having the preparation, having our feet shod. And now we hear, look at this third part here, the gospel of peace. What exactly is this? So in looking at this, when we think of putting our shoes on for the gospel of peace, and we think of it as a, as a soldier, we think of going on in advance. We're thinking of charging, if you will, okay? And so when we think of this, there is what, what some say here could mean a proclamation of peace. The gospel of peace. What is the gospel? The gospel is simply the good news. The good news, especially about Jesus Christ, who came to this world, who died for our sins, on the cross, he shed his blood to give you and I forgiveness and a great relationship with, with God in heaven. Pretty amazing when you think about that. But we see here that the gospel is what brings peace. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings you peace, brings us peace for that. Because why? Jesus came to bring peace. He was called the Prince of Peace in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. Also, it was mentioned earlier at the beginning of our service here in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the feet, excuse me, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. That, that's the good news. That publishes peace. Bringeth good tidings of good. That publish salvation. That, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. How important that is. And so here's another thing. As we think about this, a lot of times we think this in aspects of missions or in soul winning, things like that, sharing the gospel with those around us. And this is something that every one of us should be involved in, that we should de- definitely do and be ready to do that. And 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks of you of a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So yes, we should be prepared. We should be ready and we should, yes, advance with the gospel message and in that as a soldier. So that is an idea from that. And so this is so important for us to do, by the way, and that should give us confidence in exercising our, our, our spiritual armor, if you will. But I want to kind of challenge you from a different aspect. While I believe that that is, is indeed taught in Paul's epistles in Romans chapter 10, for example, what are we talking about here, though, in Ephesians 6 in the armor of God? I think this is something you have to look at, is look at the scripture in context of what it's talking about here. So we talked about the proclamation of peace, and there are some commentators who said, yeah, that's what it's talking about. Go share the gospel, which I say amen. But what is this passage here? I want to kind of uh, argue a point, if you will, to see what this is also about, having a firm foundation. So again, the verse says, and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, having those shoes on. Okay, so this is what I would look for, is this, that I believe that this is referring more so not to a proclamation of peace, but it's really referring to the position of peace, having peace and being grounded on that. Because why? The gospel gives us a firm foundation. This is what I believe it's more referring to. How do I know that? Look with me back in verse uh, 13 and 14. 
It says, Wherefore, take unto thee the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand or, or to resist in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. It's to make that stance ready. And then verse 14 says, Stand therefore. It's having that firm foundation. Having that belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and now with your feet shod, putting on those gospel shoes. And all in the idea of standing firm. Not advancing, but standing firm. Because why? You can't go out and proclaim the gospel of peace if you don't know the gospel of peace. That's what it's talking about here. And so here's the important thing. How do we know that the gospel is a firm foundation? It must be for every believer. Do you have that firm foundation? Do you really know peace and do you have the peace of God? Turn with me quickly over to the book of Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 in verse 1. And let's see how this term is being used in other parts of, uh, of the scriptures here. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, beautiful passage. It says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of peace is exactly that. It means we are reconciled to God. Remember, before we are saved, before you are saved, you are at war with God. Whether you realize it or not, you are at war with God. When you get saved, you switch sides in the battle. Okay? And so you now have a firm foundation of the peace of God in your life. What does that look like? Look with me at Romans 5 and verse 8. A lot of us should probably know this verse by heart, but it says this, But God commenced or displayed his love toward us, in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us while we were sinners. Jesus Christ died for every sinner on this world. Guess what? That's you and me. That's everyone. Jesus Christ died for us. And then it says in verse 9, Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath, from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies... That's what we were in our in our before we were saved. We were reconciled or made peace to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the atonement. So in looking at this, folks, the peace of God means that we are no longer warring against God. We are now have peace with God. This is, what, this is our position. So this is not talking about peace as a feeling. Oh, I hope you have a peaceful day. I'm at peace with the situation. You can put in whatever thought you have in there. This is not talking about a feeling. This is talking about a standing. You are standing before God in great peace. You are no longer enemies of God. You are now friends with God. Wow. You have been reconciled. You have been made peace. With him. That is just amazing when you think about that. Okay? Let's see how this looks a little bit further. Go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And beginning in verse, uh, verse, verse 12. Okay? Ephesians 2 verse 12 says that at that time ye were without Christ, this is before you're saved, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, who are sometimes afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That's talking about the sacrifice for us. Verse 14, For he is our peace, who has broken down, or who has made both one and broken down the middle wall partition between us. 
Okay, as we think about this, and you go on the next three verses, you can read them on your own. But again, it enforces that idea that God now brings peace. Where Jews and Gentiles were once at odds with one another, and even Jews said, because we keep the law, we're on a higher, a higher plateau than the Gentiles. God has now, through his wonderful work and through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, his blood spilled for us, we have now that atonement, that forgiveness, and now guess what? We are now reconciled to God. He is our peace. So here's the point. Jesus came not just to be a peacemaker, rather he is peace. And by knowing Christ, you have peace. There's a lot of people who are looking for peace in this world. There's a lot of people looking for peace in Cameroon, between Anglophone and Francophone. We see we need peace that's going on in the Middle East right now. Having lived in Israel, we pray for that daily. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, The list goes on and on. The needs for peace, even in our own city. We need peace. But the only way we can find peace is by knowing Jesus Christ and believing what he did for us. Folks, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't have that peace. But you can have peace by trusting in him, by believing in him and following him. And the peace that God gives is just amazing because the, this peace here, I think it's amazing in verse, back at the Armor of God passage, Ephesians 6, that the peace within that God gives us really is a beautiful contrast to the raging outward conflict. It says, we are supposed to have shoes of the gospel of peace. When we think about that, wait a minute, I thought we were in a war. We should have shoes fit for war. But God gives us shoes of peace because in standing firmly in him, we are prepared for the battle that rages. Praise God. And in this, what does God give us? Isaiah 26, verse 3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. We see in in Philippians 4, verse 7, that God gives us the peace that passes all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's a practical peace in that aspect. Therefore, the soldier's shoes give us confidence by putting them on. Here's the thing. When you're going through the battle, this is where rubber meets the road. This is how it applies to your life. When you're going through that temptation of, man, does God really love me? Is he really answering my prayer? Is he even listening What about all the problems going on in my life, my workplace, whatever it may be? Keep preaching the gospel to yourself that Jesus Christ came because he loved you and he died on the cross for your sins and he came to give you forgiveness and hope and salvation. And you are his child. Keep preaching the gospel. And when you do that, you are on a firm foundation and you've put on the gospel shoes. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. Therefore, put on your gospel shoes, soldier. The soldier's shoes give us confidence. So, as we think about the passage, I want you to think in your mind's eye, go back to the Old Testament in your mind, to the children of Israel. As they were being delivered from Egypt and from slavery there, right before they did, they celebrated the Passover. But it's amazing what happened. Moses commanded the children of Israel, when you celebrate the Passover, this is how you eat it, with your loins girded, the belt, And your shoes on your feet, your feet shod, you're ready, you're prepared, you're equipped, okay? And you're in good standing. Your staff in your hand, you shall lead in haste as the Lord Passover. You see this, the the children of Israel, they now had a new position, now as free people, and they were no longer slaves at that moment at the Passover. Even so, when we are saved, we are no longer slaves to sin, but alive unto Christ. Neither are we slaves to the law or adding to the gospel, Galatians 5, Paul writes to them, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. This is talking about adding to your salvation. 
well, you know what? I know I need to believe in Jesus, but God, I've got to clean up my life first before that happens. You know what? You come as you are and leave changed for his glory. Come as you are. Pretty amazing. Here's this. By, stand, by putting on the gospel shoes, we stand on a firm foundation. Whatever the enemy may throw our way, we can be ready by knowing our position in Christ that we have peace with God. The devil tries to tell us of our failures. He tells us that God has forgotten us or that God does not love us. He tries to defeat us by destabilizing us. That's the point. That's why you need the shoes on. He tries to destabilize you. By putting on the gospel shoes, this gives us confidence because of the peace that we have with God through Jesus Christ. You know, it's amazing how God protected and provided for the children of Israel while they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. God was faithful to Israel so much that their clothes and their shoes did not wear out during those 40 years. Pretty amazing when you think about that. The Israelites, during that time, they saw God, his work, they tasted of him, they touched and they heard of God's greatness. They knew of his might and his grace. But even though they witnessed God's faithfulness, they eventually forgot about their shoes of the gospel of peace. And we know what happened. Look at the book of Judges, if you don't believe me. Their trust and confidence in God and his word weakened, and thus they were defeated. How important it is then for us to put on those gospel shoes. This is a good reminder for us not to forget the importance of our position in Christ. And knowing this mobilizes us to live truthfully, the belt of truth. Live righteously, that's the best plate. And how to live confidently by having your shoes on your feet, those soldier shoes. You see, the spiritual warfare we face is real. But in Christ and in his armor that he has provided every believer, he's provided for you, you have victory. We have victory. Therefore, put on the gospel shoes, soldier.